Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Lopez wants it away. And it's a deep to left center. Andrew Jones on the run. This one has a chance. Hello, Mets fans. Welcome back to another edition of Believe in the Mets right here on the Believe Podcasting Network. I'm your host, Nick Durst. And right now we're at this point in the Mets offseason where they keep making minor trades, trying to acquire or sign in fringe these relievers with ERAs in the career ERA of four or higher, which I don't think is going to do too much to help the bullpen. We can discuss that later on but right now the big news of course would have to be dinner and that is all these dinners that steve cohen is having with yamamoto and david stearns and jeremy hefner and carlos mendoza who knows what's going to come of that obviously everybody's holding up right now waiting for yamamoto and see how dominos falls beyond that we don't know what the mets will do if they don't get yamamoto who knows if they're going to get yamamoto but helping me now to break that all down and discuss the Mets' chances of landing Yamamoto, a fellow Believe podcast host. He hosts the Unfiltered Show. He is Casey Stern. Casey, welcome in. What's your confidence level right now as far as Yamamoto is concerned to becoming a New York Met? Uh, hey, Nick, it's not very high, if I'm being honest, only because to me, and I said this during the Otani sweepstakes where I said really from go that this would be the Dodgers and always the Dodgers, a lot of times in these things and covering this sport over the last 20 plus years, it comes down to common sense and you have to put yourself in the player's position as much as a Met fan wants Yamamoto to come to the Mets. And I'm not saying it's not possible clearly because of Steve Cohen and primarily because of Steve Cohen, they will be in the mix. But if you had a chance to go to a New York Yankee team that already boasted the talent level that they had, which at least was a little bit surpassing where the Mets were, you just brought in Juan Soto. You know that they're dedicated to spending more money. You know they're at a different kind of time period than where the Mets are. They're where the Mets were a year or two ago and stamping down and saying, hey, we're willing to put in millions upon millions to go forward. Luxury tax, no big deal. We've got to win it now. The Mets aren't in a win it now kind of a phase. It leans towards the Yankees for all of those reasons. And when you live overseas, being a Yankee, I mean, that is like McDonald's or Band-Aid in terms of brand. That is where all of those folks grow up watching baseball and thinking about, you know, heavens forbid one day having an actual chance to play what it would be like to play in the Bronx. So I think the Yankees have a better shot than the Mets do. I think clearly if the Dodgers are in it to win it with the money that they have to spend, they are in a better spot than the Mets are having just brought in Otani and now Tyler Glasnow and having all the money that they have to spend. I'd probably put the Mets in the third spot ahead of the Red Sox, who seem to be maybe the top four competitors. But yeah, I, I think if we're being fair, odds are favoring the Yankees or the Dodgers before the Mets in this pro in this situation, for sure. I agree with you, Casey. I'd be absolutely stunned if the Mets are able to pull this off and get Yamamoto in the orange and blue. If they do, it all comes down to Steve Cohen going way, way above with the money because I think I think for the most part, the Mets, Dodgers, and Yankees, they're going to offer similar money. So unless it's maybe like $75 million extra dollars, 
I think like you're saying, when it all comes down to he's going to go with one of these more traditional historic franchises of the Dodgers and the Yankees, and that's going to leave the Mets floundering with this rotation of Senga, which I think is he, he could be an ace. He, he was great last year, one of the best pitchers in baseball. Quintana, if he's healthy, he was good. Beyond that, a lot of question marks. I'm not banking on Luis Severino to give anything this season. Tyler McGill, we say, we've seen he has flashes, but he has some struggles. Joey Lucchese, can't really trust him. Budo, what do you think is the backup plan here, Casey, if the Mets don't get Alamoto? I think they should be looking to the trade market, trying to get some one of these pitchers that is going to be a free agent in the next two years, like a Dylan Cease or maybe a Corbin Burns or Shane Bieber, because I don't think there's any chance they can be a competitive team like they keep saying if they go into the season with the rotation as is right now. Yeah, I agree with you on the back part of that. The only part about the front half of it is that the Mets are not really in a, and, and this I know Met fans don't want to hear this, the, the Mets franchise is not in the state they were in a year ago, which is win now and win at all costs. That's not why David Stearns is there. He would not have come in there in that situation if that's how they were handling it because it wouldn't be the smart way to handle it. So because of that, trading and giving a, a boatload to get a Burns or a Dylan Cease or a Shane Bieber the teams that do that are going to be teams that can win a world series. Now the Mets are not winning a world series this year. The Mets are highly unlikely to make the playoffs this year. And even if Yamamoto comes on the Mets, the difference between him and the Mets and really the two teams that we mentioned, the Yankees or Dodgers does not immediately make them a playoff team. He stamps the Dodgers as a favorite to win the world series. If he goes there and he stamps the Yankees most likely as a favorite to go ahead and let's say win the division. He doesn't put the Mets even in a playoff position by himself. So I think you're looking at the Jordan Montgomery's of the world. You're looking in that second tier of pitchers. Sonny Gray would have been a great option for them, but he went early off the board in a three-year deal to the St. Louis Cardinals. I don't see them playing on Blake Snell, so I think you're probably looking at Montgomery being maybe the highest option that you look at in terms of starting pitching and them looking to fill out a rotation that gives them more innings. The point you made earlier about the bullpen is a major issue because even if they're able to go ahead and nail a couple of starters down, they don't have the kind of bullpen when you get to that kind of Swiss cheese in the middle to get to the eighth, ninth inning. You don't have that middle relief that you really can trust. You don't have depth that you have on the left and right side. Mets have a number of issues. And again, I go back to the overarching thing that the Met fan needs to understand. Look, Yamamoto would be brilliant. But it's not because of 2024. They're not winning a lot in 2024. They have a chance to be in a wild card race, which almost everybody over 500 is in this sport. That's kind of where they are. But Yamamoto long term enables them 25, 26, 27, and so on to be a real primary contender with him as part of it. That's where this is more important. Not 2024, where the Mets are not going to even have a chance to compete with the Atlanta Braves in the NL East. Well, the Mets in 2024, I don't think they're going to be very good. I'm with you. I don't think they're even a 500 team. We'll see what they do. They need a lot of help offensively. They need a lot of help in the pitching rotation and in the bullpen. It's just a lot of holes. So I'm not really buying, as they keep saying, they're going to be a competitive team. When I keep hearing that, and they were pressed on it a little bit in the press conference, the introductory press conference for for David Stearns, what, what, is saying, what do you mean by competitive? Just to say we're going to be competitive. Doesn't mean we're going to be good. Doesn't mean we're going to be trying to win. I think they're kind of just going to sit back and relax uh, in the sense of making major moves here. And they're just going to hope maybe we sneak in with 83, 84 wins. I mean, they're only seven games off Diamondbacks last year in the play- to get the playoff push. But the 2024 roster, they need to do something. 
offensively as well here, Casey. They can't just kind of run it back and hope Marte is going to play over 82 games and Stewart's going to be this great player now in the outfield. And let's, Mark Vientos is going to be good to go. Brett Beatty, a home near the year of him. I mean, losing Mauricio for the year with that ACL injury to me is a killer because I want, I think a lot of people were excited to see what he could do. Is this guy going to be the future third baseman? If you have him, there's more flexibility moving McNeil to the outfield. Now they need to get somebody, whether it's going to get an outfielder, uh, going to get a, an infielder type, or in addition to, I think they should be going for a DH type as well. All signs right now are pointing toward Justin Turner being the perfect fit for this particular season, a one-year deal. Who are some people that you could envision or would like to see the Mets potentially target for offense this upcoming season. Yeah, look, I think Turner would be a great fit. I, I think to get him to sign with you, and I don't know what his other options are because he's made plenty of money in his career. You might have to throw him a second year or some kind of an option where if he reaches whatever it might be, invests and gets into a second year because other teams that are in that, that marketplace for one year are going to give him a better chance to win. If he's signing a one-year deal, he's doing it because this is a guy who's done great in the playoffs and is a guy who's World Series bound time and time again in his career, and that's what he wants. He didn't enjoy playing for a bad Red Sox team. So I just don't know. I mean, even at less money, he might take a one-year deal somewhere else with a chance to win as long as he has playing time versus you know $18 million or 20 whatever it's going to be for one year to try and overpay him to take a one-year deal. You may have to give him two, which I don't think any team is going to want to do, but we'll see. As far as Turner, he's clearly a fit because he could DH for you. He could play some third base. You know, look, I I've said this about Brett Beatty since he came up. Met fans don't want to hear this. Met fans think every prospect is the greatest thing that's ever happened. Met fans had, you know, Dilson Herrera posters on their wall forever, twice. So, yeah, I, I really, I, I've kind of been sick of it for most of my lifetime about the obsession that Met fans have with prospects. And I think at the end of the day, you have to be honest and think, look, Vientos is, is a nice offensive player, some power. He's got a lot of holes in his swing. Can't really play defense. Don't know what he is yet at all. I like Mauricio much more upside to your part. And I think, you know, for Beatty, if, if you told me he's going to hit seventh and, you know, get better continuously on defense and be an okay hitter for you, that's kind of what he is. This is not David Wright. He's not going to be an impact offensive player for this team moving forward. So to your point, having Turner takes a little bit off of him, allows Turner to play a little bit at third base along with DHing, and maybe gives Beatty somebody to kind of watch and learn from. I think it would be a nice fit for the Mets. They definitely need help at the hot corner and at the DH spot for sure. Absolutely. I think he'd be a great fit. I think beyond that, they still would need another bat. Some of them are not linked to it all at this point, but I thought what a bit a good fit would be Hoskins. I think Hoskins, if you get him to, to DH, you need somebody to back up Pete at first base anyway. Not sure he'd be interested, but maybe the, if the money's right, and like you said, maybe these guys, they don't want the one-year deal. I'd be willing to give someone like him a two-year deal. I just think that for this team to succeed, not necessarily just this year, but moving forward, they need to figure out a way, Casey, to get a lot more power in this lineup and get some more runs driven in because last year they ranked towards the bottom of the NL and runs batted in. And most of that production was coming from two players in Lindor and Alonzo. So they need somehow some way to figure out a way to infuse more power in this lineup. And there's, you're talking about, you, you talked about the prospects, the prospects are so great. I don't think there's any of these prospects that are going to come up, but all of a sudden to be hitting 30 home runs and driving at hundred RBI. I'm not someone who is, all about let's hold on to these prospects and let's you know see what happens because at some point 
you have to make some moves, I think, uh, with the prospects. They acquired four shortstops at the trade deadline last season. They have a shortstop now. They have Mauricio. They need pitching. Would you be surprised if the Mets are in the trade market at all this offseason to try to acquire a player by using this big prospect capital they built up as a late? Well, look, you know, I, I long many years ago said prospects are cool, parades are cooler. And it's something that I've lived by because I believe that you push the pedal down when you have a chance to win. The problem is the Mets don't have a chance to win. So I think, you know, a lot of times it's striking when the iron is hot. And I think if the Mets prospects are to believe to be as good as maybe some that they believe that they are, you wait until you have a chance to pounce when you can win. You wait until a trade deadline where you can get that ace starter that pushes you over the edge. The Mets aren't even close to the edge. It's not worth trading these prospects now because assuming that you think they're good, because if they're good, all they do is build value and perception perception is more important than reality. So then if you're better than you think you are, you could trade and make a deal at the deadline. If you are not as good as we expect, which I don't think they're going to be very good, then next offseason you're a little bit closer. Right now, to go ahead and go trade for somebody who's starting at the front of your rotation, even if they got Dylan Cease, the Mets are barely a playoff team. And I think that that's the most important thing for Mets fans to realize is they have to try and kind of hold on to their assets a little bit until they're closer. As far as the bats are concerned, look, you know, the Jorge Soler types of the world, guys who can just give you some thump would be good for this team because after dealing with Vogelbach in, in the DH spot for so long and not even swinging at the baseball, let alone hitting it hard most of the time, it's been difficult for them. But the other part is they could really use a left-handed bat with some thump. They're not getting that from Jeff McNeil, not getting that from Beatty on that side, not necessarily what you're expecting or wanting from Nimmo. And I know that Lindor is a switch hitter, but that left side's really hurting them, not having that guy who can hit behind Pete in that order, who can give you some thump, have a chance to hit 30 homers, drive in 100-plus. Obviously, we all know Juan Soto would have been a really good guy to have in that position. Absolutely. And the Mets... They just, like you said, they're not going for it this year, so they weren't looking to even get creative in a, in a scenario where the Mets, they could have been a great trade partner with the Padres because they could take so much salary on uh, to save the Padres. The Padres, they could have said, well, you got to take the U Darvish contract. you got to take the Soto contract. They could have got creative. Cohen has the money. We've seen it before with the trade down last year. The big thumper, we talked about it, Pete Alonzo. I think it's 50-50 at best that he's a Met after this season. I think with the way they're probably going to play in the first half, which I think is poorly, I think David Stearns won't hesitate to trade Pete Alonzo. And I think if they trade him, Mets fans need to wake up. That's the end. I hate when fans say, oh, we could trade him and then we'll sign him back. The only time that's ever happened was when Araldo's traveling with the Yankees. I've never seen a situation where that happened. So for me, Casey, I think Alonzo, 50-50 at best, he's back. And it really depends on how the Mets play in this first half. What do you think? Yeah, look, I, I think you're you're right. And I, I also think a lot of it comes down to whether or not they can get him signed. Obviously, considering who his agent is and the situation that he's in and the kind of money that first basemen have gotten paid, whether you look at the likes of Freddie Freeman or you look at a Matt Olson who's in division with Atlanta, anything about Pete Alonso, who you could very much argue is not as good as either of those players. He's definitely not as good as Freddie Freeman, clearly. Um, he's going to be looking for and so will Scott that kind of money and when because of the star power and because of the fact that he could put butts in his seats and and all the different things that Alonzo has already proven that he can do including mashing at, at a high home run pace and being a thumper in the middle of a lineup 
if they cannot get a deal done with him and most likely he's going to want to go out to market and see what he can get, then yeah, the only reason you'd keep him is if you have a chance to win. Um, I, I don't think it benefits them to hold on to him and get nothing because look, I'm not by any means comparing him with Shohei Otani, please. But the angels just had the worst trade deadline in the history of major league baseball. And I've been covering these deadlines for 20 plus years. They had a chance with a one of one and a healthy at the time, Otani to go ahead and get probably the biggest deal at a trade deadline for any rental that we've ever seen. They probably would have gotten the biggest haul that we've ever seen at a trade deadline because of what he was and the teams who would have tried to take those two months, Nick, to sell him into that early kind of a wooing process for that long-term deal. And they got nothing. The Mets cannot get nothing. If they're not that good, and if he cannot go ahead and get a deal done early and they can't give him whatever price he can't refuse, they have to trade Pete Alonzo. I know Mets fans don't want to hear this, but if they don't pay him 200 some odd million dollars and you throw that in addition to everything else into next offseason, they're probably more likely to put together a pitching staff and a lineup that gives them a better chance to get there. And they haven't done it with Pete. You go back, you won 100 plus games. He was nearly non existent in almost every Brave series in September. He was terrible. He was not good in the Padres series either. He is a guy who I love. He's great. He's a great person and he hits a lot of home runs, but they could survive without him if they have to. I think if they get rid of him, it would be a huge mistake. Uh, it would be another bad luck for David Stearns, who I think the fans will quickly turn on. I think they're already getting a little. But it's not his fault. David Stearns, and it's I not his fault. It's not his. How fault can it be his? How can it be he, his he fault? He trades Pete Alonso. I think. Oh, I if think he trades Pete Alonso, yeah. If, if, well, is he supposed to hold on to him and get nothing for him? You have to realize I think, when these I think, situations I think happen, the move is they have to they have to sign him. Otherwise, the Mets fans are going yes. to be very yes. Up. But, if, see, but the only thing he doesn't I'll accept say about trading him now is if, if they're really you know building for the future here, we have to keep in mind now with the Mets that draft picks are going to be hard for them to come by because you saw it this year in the draft lottery they, they dropped ten spots because of their luxury ta tax impact. So. If they're not, mm -hmm. again, next year falling within the top six, they're going to drop 10 spots again. So maybe at that point, you want to take that compensatory first-round pick that Pete Alonso will probably be attached to in free agency, and maybe you want to just hope that we could sign him like they did with Nimmo last year. He gets the free agency. He's the best target. So we'll see. I think a lot of it's going to depend. I don't think Pete's really that happy right now with the Mets. I think – he obviously loved Buck Showalter. I think all the players did. So maybe he won't. He's saying he loves New York. I think he loves New York, but maybe he wants to be elsewhere. Maybe he wants to go somewhere where he thinks he can win. But it will be very hard to replace 40 home runs and 100 plus RBI. And we'll see how they do it. The only way they could really do that is maybe maybe they go after a Juan Soto. But I don't think they're going to be. I don't know if they're going to be major players for Juan Soto in 2025. It's already being linked to that, but we heard they're going to major parts for Otani in 2023, in 2024. They weren't. They would have been if they won last year. They would have been if they won last year. Yeah, I mean, he just it oh, didn't make sense like for them. Wasn't they weren't any good. Well, uh, well, he yeah. wasn't interested in New York, but it would have tried. I mean, they didn't even try. The thing that I think, you know, look. Uh, I think people need to realize just going back to the David Stearns thing, because I think it's important to point out and to clarify David Stearns will have nothing to do with Pete Alonzo signing. Pete Alonzo is going to take the most money. If they overwhelm him with a crazy deal, that's going to be above and beyond what he thinks he'll get in the market. Then Scott will get that deal done and they'll do it without going out to market. But that's Steve Cohen 
and his conversations with Scott Boris, not David Stern's. David Stern's not going to have anything to do with it because it's about writing a check. Now, when David Stern's was in Milwaukee, he had to go ahead and finagle as much as possible. He doesn't have to do that here. As far as Pete Alonso is concerned, the only thing that's going to keep him, Nick, from going out to market is him getting 30 40 50 million dollars more than he thinks he can get in free agency otherwise he's going to free agency it's not going to be about david stearns there's really so if any really Met fan no thing is going to be david stearns fault, to not, it's not to not go to the market so there's no upside to not go no, to of course agency. i would go to the market if i were him who wouldn't of yeah, course so but it's not david stearns it's fault if he doesn't if he trades pete alonzo and unless these players yes. become you know great it's it's fair enough. It's gonna take a hit to his PR from the Mets fan standpoint, fair. and there's gonna be a fair. lot of empty seats at City Field for the rest of the season, uh, especially well, after. I yeah, I mean, that, but I, you don't I, think so? You think the, fan, mean, the, fan, the seats will be packed at City Field if they trade P. Alonso and they're? I don't think team. they're gonna be packed anyway next no. year because I don't think the team's gonna be very good. But but I think at the end of the day, I think if if it comes out that the Mets have offered him a deal that is at Freddie Freeman type money and he turns that down, then. Met fans are going to turn on him quicker than they'll turn on David Stearns because I lived through and covered the Mets on a daily basis during the Jose Reyes situation. And Jose Reyes got booed every day that he came to City Field the next year after he took $100 million with the Marlins. But what people didn't talk about is that the Mets never even called him, never made him an offer. They never wanted him back. But the perception was that he took the money and went else there. If Pete Alonso ends up wanting to leave in free agency and gets traded because the Mets can't get a deal done, and then he goes out somewhere else and gets paid a lot of money, people are going to be mad. We just lived through this with Jacob deGrom. The Mets had no business offering him a five-year deal, clearly, but a lot of Mets fans got angry when he took a five-year deal and went to Texas and said, well, you said you loved us, but you don't love us. Pete Alonso is going to take the most money. If the Mets offer the most money, they'll have a chance to keep him. It's going to be that simple, but he's going to get paid. I mean, that's the agent that he played with, and that's what they do. He's going to get a big deal. He will be the highest paid first baseman, even though he's not a better player than Freddie Freeman, because that's what Scott will get him. Well, the markets keep changing. I think he's going to get a high contract, and I think the Mets would be wise to give him the highest contract. And to write the Reyes yeah. thing, they should have they should have traded Reyes because they didn't offer him a contract. So they knew they were going to offer him a contract. They should have traded him that. But season. they were afraid but, of what you just said. But do, I'm just I'm just to clarify. And you're right. They were afraid of what you just said, which is why they didn't trade him, Sandy, at the time, because yeah. they couldn't. It was easier for them to say, "Hey, he went out into the market and took too much money, and we didn't have that kind of money to offer him, and we wish him the best." Because if they traded him, then it would have been voluntarily them saying they didn't want the player back, and they didn't. They never called Reyes that offseason at all, not once. So to Soto, the Mets. They'll rank him for a year for years now. I don't know if they'll be serious for him because again, the Mets, even in 2025, I don't think they're gonna be a team that's gonna compete. And then if you're gonna give Soto, what do you like? I think I think his agent, of course, will want at least at least five hundred million. He's gonna try to push it to six, maybe. And you're gonna do that. How are you gonna pay for if they got Yamamoto? How are you gonna pay for Alonzo? I mean, I know Cohen has all the money, but is he gonna put over a billion dollars into three players? Probably, probably not. So I don't really, I don't know if the Mets will be seriously in on Soto, but do you, do you think Soto would be interested or anywhere? Or if he, he just saw about the money, I think Soto's going to take the highest amount of money, no matter where the team is. Well, I, I don't think the Yankees would have made this deal if they did. It, it would be worth it either way. 
because I don't think any of, with no offense that I like Michael King and, you know, I think Drew Thorpe could be very good. I don't think anybody they gave up is that great. So it would have been fine anyway. And they needed to have a big season off of all the disasters that they just dealt with. But I don't think the Yankees and Brian Cashman are making that deal in this generation of Steinbrenners we're living in if they didn't think that they had a real shot at Soto. So I think the Mets are going to have a hard time beating out the Yankees, who he's going to be with Aaron Judge back-to-back in a lineup. He stays healthy. So they're going to be sitting there day after day. He's going to make tons of money off the field. He's going to be a star in all the spotlight. He's got a charismatic smile. He's going to love up New York and be with that short porch at Yankee Stadium. And I don't think that he's going to leave. I mean, my guess is that he'll stay. He may go out to free agency, but my guess is the Yankees will pay him to stay. Do I think he would consider the Mets? I absolutely do. Soto is not the opposite of Otani, who did not want to be here. And a lot of guys don't want to be here. Soto wants to be in New York. Soto wants the spotlight. He is looking forward to all that that brings to him. And I think, you know, he was stuck in D.C. and then in San Diego, not necessarily L.A., he wants to be in a big market and in the spotlight. So I think the Mets will have a chance. But any Met fan who thinks it's Alonzo and Soto is crazy. They can't afford that. If they go after Juan Soto, it's in lieu of Pete Alonzo, who, by the way, they he's a better player, clearly, than Pete Alonzo. So that's fine. But they're not going to be able to afford both of those players. The Mets are, are, are not going to be able to go back into a market and go spend a billion dollars. The year they had last year that would have been 300 some odd million dollars more if Correa would have actually signed and that deal went through, that's not going to happen again at any point soon in this Cohen tenure. They didn't bring David Stearns in for that to ever happen again. They brought in David Stearns to squeeze as much as he could out of an orange and that, or an apple in this case. So do you think Juan, how do you think Juan Soto will handle if, let's say in May, he's batting 220 again like last year and he's getting booed? Is, is that going to impact him as his decision to be in, in the New Yorker in the long term? Well, I mean, if you look at his numbers at the end of the year, they were pretty, pretty good. Uh, uh, so, I, I mean, that's not going to stop Yankee yeah. fans from booing him. It, the good, good news is he, well, I, I think, I think, look, he, he can go out to free agency and I think he will. So I think regardless to your point of what you said about Nimmo, that is a Yankee situation where they have a year to basically sell him once he gets out to free agency about why he should stay. Um, I think the Yankees are going to probably get Yamamoto. If I had to guess, that's where I think he'll go. And I think if he does, the Yankees will win the American League East and give Soto plenty of opportunities to be in October and feel pretty good about himself. I mean, I, I'm by no means a Yankee fan. All my family except myself are. But I think the Yankees are going to have an offseason that's only just begun. I think Soto was just the beginning of it. I expect them to get two more pitchers. I expect Yamamoto to probably go there. And if those things happen, I think the Yankees probably win the American League East and give Soto plenty of opportunity in October to, to want to come back. So I think the Mets will be in it. I do. But I, I think Juan Soto is going to be a Yankee long term. I think that's what will happen in the offseason. All right. Enough Yankee talk on this Mets podcast. Let's talk yeah. one last thing with the Mets, and that is – I think it's going to be really important that your buddy, John Gibbons, is the bench coach for the Mets this year because Carlos Mendoza, I have my doubts about him. Let's see him prove me wrong. Usually when they when you hire a bench coach, it's because the guy is coming from a World Series winner like the Red Sox did with Alex Cora, not from a team that missed the playoffs the previous year. I think Mendoza's here because he's going to grow with the team as they grow with the new players and they call up the Drew Gilberts and Acunas of the world this season. But I think it was crucial to get a veteran manager in there who's going to be the bench coach and could help the team learn. I think the team was hurt last year because Eric Shires moved the bench coach from hitting coach. It messed up the hitting. It messed up the in-game uh, scenarios and preparedness and stuff. So, 
Shava's back to hitting coach that works. So John Gibbons, Casey, number one, is he going to be giving you some free tickets this season? Number two, how much of an impact do you think this guy is going to have on helping Carlos Mendoza become a great manager in the majors? No, I, I won't be asking him to get any tickets, but I, I've I've known Gibby for a long time, for many years. He's he's one of the best people in the game, and I think having him be back with the Mets is great for those who are old enough to remember him as as a player, which did not go so very well for him, and that's something where he always wanted to kind of turn that back around after being a first round pick with them and have a second life with the Mets. I, I think he will be great for the players in the room because he's a player's manager. He's a guy who relates and understands uh, how to kind of relate to all different kinds of players. He'll be able to help Mendoza with that. And he's a guy as a former catcher. We know what they are as managers who really understands pitching. So I think he'll give a little bit of an additional help to Mendoza in that way. But in the people that I've talked to from booting on down the line over the last number of years, anybody you talk to about Carlos Mendoza, they they just uh, literally they wax poetic about just how smart he is. And one of the things in talking to Gibby that he had said was that he just oozes just how smart he is as a baseball guy. And I think that that's going to help. And I, I do think to your point, their hiring of Mendoza is again, another statement to Met fans because some still don't understand this that they're not planning on winning a world series here in 2024 and they're going to allow Carlos Mendoza to grow, but no, he's not in the former player type of when Dave Roberts came in. Uh, he's not Craig council who went for people who don't understand or know this and went into player development with the brewers before he got down into the dugout after being a player. He's a guy who's been a bench coach and done it for many, many years and is kind of a baseball lifer. And what I would say is, you know, I'm living down here in Atlanta now and there's a guy in Brian Snitker who while older was, a guy who had been toiling away in the minor leagues as a manager, been a bench coach. People were like, well, why the heck is this guy getting a job? And he's done pretty darn good over here with the Braves. So, you know, I think Mendoza, if you believe everything that you hear, is a guy that Met fans are going to fall in love with, but I don't think it's going to be because they're going to win 90 games in 2024. So give the guy a little bit of time to figure things out. All right, Casey, this has been great. One last thing for you. What year do you think it will be that the Mets can return to the playoffs? Uh, a lot of it depends on how those prospects you just mentioned play. And I would add on the growth of Alvarez and then, you know, whether or not you get the health of Mauricio, the depth of the pitching in this system is a major issue. And yeah. I, I just, it is the biggest problem with this team right now. They went for guys who were, you know, having their 50th birthdays with your know, Scherzer and Verlander. And they went so in on the now that they don't, they don't look Tyler McGill, you know, the, the fact that, you know, David Peterson, who God bless, I hope he, you know, gets better and gets healthy, but his ERA was like 800 a year ago. Um, they don't have much in terms of depth. I think it's going to be at least two years. I'll I'll hedge on the positive side and say 2025, but I it may be 2026. The, one of the biggest problems is is that the National League, especially the division they're in, it, it is it is almost in unconscionable to think about them being better than the Phillies or the Braves. When you look at the rosters, I mean, they're so far apart right now, especially Atlanta. So you're looking at a wild card because you're not going to be nearly as good as Atlanta, at least for probably three, four years, to be quite honest. So I think if we're being fair, let's say two years out, I don't think this year, but they got a shot the year after. All right. I would say it depends. If Drew Gilbert comes up and he's Corbin Carroll, maybe they can make it. Into oh, be nice. 
If That'd not, nice. I think it all depends on who the next manager of the Mets is. That's when they'll be back in the playoffs. Casey, this has been great. Please let everybody know where they could find your show and your work. You can uh, find me at Unfiltered, the Believe Network. Uh, get on the artist formerly known as Twitter or X, if you will, at Casey Stern. Hop up into the bio. Jump on the YouTube channel. You can catch 234 episodes and counting. And uh, catch Unfiltered on the Believe Network right here where we've got our, our cousin in Believe in the Mets. Uh, yeah, Casey, this has been great. Thank you so much, everybody. Check out Believe in the Mets on social media and our YouTube page, of course, at B-L-E-A-V-I-N-T-H-E-M-E-T-S. I'm on Twitter at Nick underscore Durst and on Instagram at Nick's Food and Stuff. And until next time, everybody, let's hope for the best and let's go Mets. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.